Welcome to Portal Orange. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us, yeah. particularly yeah, in like absolutely. mile 24, yeah, when you could no, just be like, good. you know what, we're, we're done. <laughs> so. No, it's very nice of you, you know. You've been on Rogan a bunch, you know the, the drill, right? Yeah, you're like Joe Rogan's favorite politician. Like, <laughs> By far. Like the, Which is be... like, that's high praise in today's oh, day and age, you know. Absolutely. I've listened, yeah, I've listened to you like, what, you've been on like I've four or five times? I've been on a few times, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, because Rogan is like Carson and Cronkite rolled into one person, you know? Plus yeah. Howard Cosell because he's a sports commentator. Yeah. So it's like all three guys. His just, last time I saw him, uh, I was in Austin. I didn't go on his podcast, but went to the, the comedy club. We we're having a conversation after. That's cool. And he's like, remember back in, I don't know, 2000 whatever, when you told me XYZ about this person? Like, yeah, I remember that. He's like, well, he, he literally verbatim said what I told him like five years ago. Yeah, I was like, man, how do you, how do you, he's like, I remember everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny about Rogan is. But the, because, sorry, the cool thing with that was yeah. the thing I pointed out to him at the time he disagreed with it. Mm -hmm. And then he changed what I told him yeah, yeah. once he saw the truth, it was revealed like, oh yeah, the thing you said about this person manipulating elections, like, yeah, it was, it was actually true. Totally. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, I mean, what all I was going to say is, you know, what's interesting about him is it's it just have a conversation where you're actually listening to people yeah. and you're attempting to understand yeah. and you're actually interested in who they are and what they have to say. And miraculously, in the, in the vacuum that he emerged in, like whatever it was, 15 years ago yeah. or something, because I remember when he was doing like the live streamer things with the, the weird lights in the background, and the Fleshlight was the sponsor and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was you, when it was fun. Right, it was a really but, fun but you do those things and people are receptive to it. People, you yeah. know, want it because there's such a, a lack of that. Yeah. You know, in the in the sound bites of the mainstream media, and and he's you know he's an awesome person, well, and he's honest, and he's a forthright. And, and then they want to shut him down because of that, right? So it's like, yeah, you know, you remember you remember when he was you know doing his own protocol for he got COVID, and on CNN they put like a filter over his face yeah, yeah. to make him look more gray and sickly. Yeah, <laughs> well, the same thing with the gray sky for like the Bitcoin mining destruction stuff. Right, right, you know? right. Yeah, it's a I, <laughs> it's like. It's so ridiculously petty. Well, this is what I did, a few ask years you. ago, didn't they cut you off the end of the like? Weren't you on the end of this, or was it Andrew Yang? I'm thinking of, but somebody was at the end of the yeah. stage during the primary, I'm and they sure just they totally did. like yeah. blanked them oh, out. Yeah. You know, it was very obvious. Omission. There was a there was a Vogue shoot of all of the female candidates running, yeah. and there was one version of it where I was erased, <laughs> literally erased from the photo. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, that was like a Whoa. mistake. Yeah, that's some, it's like that's a Photoshop some, error. Like, sorry. No, that's like some, some yeah. Stalinist and I wasn't kind on of the stuff. End. Yeah, like, it wasn't like, oops, crap. Right. Like, You're in I'm the like middle. Right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it literally reminds me of that photo of Stalin with the guys that all like vanish over time. Right. Like, right. it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, like the, the other thing that I find fascinating though is like, Cool. Joe's such a great example of somebody that like you approach him with this logical approach and he's like oh wow you're right but I feel like we live in you know like we live in crazy land now and I feel like I point that stuff out to people that I love and care about and they double down in the narrative they've been told yeah. and the thing that really scared me was after COVID we got to a place where I was like I don't know if we can actually have sincere dialogue anymore mm. yeah I mean that that is the difference right is is in order to have a dialogue or a debate about something usually we have to agree like on the basic foundational facts right yeah like okay like the sky is blue we can agree on that and start there to talk about weather patterns or whatever we can't do that now right you talk to people and there's like this 
I don't know. It's like an alternate Twitter files. I use that as an example. When all the Twitter file stuff came out, I was really curious because this is documented text that has been released. How do you dispute what has been revealed? And so I started looking online. What are, what are the different talking heads saying about this? And, you know, the major networks, MSNBC. And I, I watched this one clip where, um, I think it was an MSNBC clip or, or I don't know, somebody from there who had a pod, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But they, uh, they outright dismissed what was being said in the Twitter files. And then they said, well, even if it, if it is true, all it's revealing is that, um, uh, something like a bunch of stupid racist Americans were being censored on Twitter and good for America. And that was the, and then it was yeah. like, okay, on to the next. So it's, um, it, it, it does, it, it makes it, it, it makes it hard to have real dialogue and substantive conversation, uh, even about like, okay, we can agree to disagree. Well, how do we get to that point if we can't even stand on the same ground? I, I asked you this a little bit last night, but when that's the case, and we can get into like the incentives behind that behavior from their side maybe a little bit later. But when that's the case and when you're running for president or when you're in Congress and doing all the things you're doing to, at least as far as you're concerned, really have a positive impact. Now, maybe you're wrong on some things and that's the process of, you know, re-articulating your perspective as you go on. But like, how do you continue to kind of press into that when you know, like every step of the way, you're not just going to confront challenging ideas because we're all down for that. Like, let's put our ideas together and challenge them. You're going to confront almost seemingly an animus that doesn't want uh, solutions to problems, you know, and you might construe that as evil. Maybe we don't get that dramatic, but how do you, how do you tolerate that? You know, cause we would all probably be exhausted by that. Like you go on a debate stage, you go to a uh, mainstream media hit, whatever it is. And you just continue confronting this like nonsensical resistance to solutions or goodness or truth or whatever, however we want to characterize it. I mean, I know you, you the, had a the long hope, week, so no. I mean, the hope and and um, the inspiration uh, in those kinds of situations that you're talking about uh, comes from remembering that you know, even as as flawed as our election system is and can be, ultimately, like if I'm on a debate stage and we're ta- we're dealing with the kinds of things that we're talking about here, um, the points that I'm making. Uh, aren't really to Kamala Harris or right. to Joe Biden or Cory Booker. I'm speaking to people at home and the people at home are the ones who have the power to say, you know, yeah, okay, you make sense. This other person is like, is crazy or they're speaking about nonsensical things and therefore being able to make informed choices. And so really it's about focusing on, you know, who, who am I actually trying to reach and communicate to? Who do I actually care about? It's not these other politicians on the stage. Right. It's not whoever the CNN moderator might be. It's actually uh, really like on that debate stage, looking into the Speaking camera. Speaking to the people. And exactly. What do you think you know, when you encounter those people, yeah. the talking heads, the Kamala Harris's of the world, what do you think animates their behavior? Like, why is it like that? I mean, it, it, it's why, so much Why is it so is... uncanny and inhuman? <laughs> you know? Have you heard her laugh? Like, there's, it's... Has anyone not? You know, I, I think there's, you, you, could probably, you could probably point to, to a lot of different things, but I think one of the, the core issues there is, uh, as I'm talking about, okay, well, even now, we're having a conversation with each other, but we're also having a conversation with people at home. Mm-hmm. Um, in Washington, the bubble is so isolated that 
the echo chamber that they create around themselves and like patting each other on the back and complimenting each other and making sure that, okay, we're all on the same page. We're all parroting the same talking points. I sound smart and you're saying the same thing. So that means you're smart and you're smart. But if you stand up and say something that's different or you say, hey, guys, you might not be right about that, then like, screw you. You're there's the exit sign. And so as far as what animates them, it's not uh, it's it's mostly not about solving problems. It's not about saying, hey, well, here's this this real challenge that we need to work together to address. It's like, okay, well, as long as you're telling me I'm doing a good job and you're inviting me to the right parties and you're on uh, TV and you're telling me, oh, you're so great and yada, 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 that's all I need. And and that's what motivates that, – that is so much of what motivates the bubble that is Washington, D.C., out of touch with reality, out of touch with the American people. Do you think that's just ego broadly construed? Like, so some people like yourself, maybe you subordinate your behavior to higher values and principles. You say, okay, I have my needs and preferences and imperfections, but also I believe in truth and freedom and beauty and love and these things. And so you try to use them as guides for your behavior. So you, they are more elevated than your own sense of self, let's say, as you construe your behavior. But in those people, I feel like it's the reverse. They subordinate the world to themselves in a sense. And is that, do you think that's why they're so easily perhaps led astray, you know, unconsciously in these that, sorts of that things? That is exactly what's at the heart of it is, is just put very simply, uh, are you putting service above self or self above right. service? Yeah. And to, to be in a position where people are literally voting for you and hiring you to serve in jobs that once were, you know, you enter public service. That's literally what it is. Uh, and yet they are driven by uh, their own selfish desires, ambitions, whether it's greed or power or attention or fame or whatever that selfish uh, motivator is. That That is exactly what is at the heart of it. Right. I, I, I'm so curious about this. Like, do you, do you actually think at any point in time most of these politicians ever, like, contemplate the ethical position that they're in. Cause like it, I think to us, it seems so obvious the endemic corruption, how much they're deeply involved with it. And I honestly wonder if we just said like, Hey, do you, do you think it's wrong that you're making what's technically insider trading based off of this information, but because it's legal, it's okay. Cause like, it's clearly an ethical issue. And I'm just wondering if you think they actually ever consider it in a meaningful way. You know, I, I'd be, I'd be making some, my assumption would be, um, my assumption is that uh, there are those who know it's wrong and do it anyway. Uh, there are those who um, uh, think, well, everybody does it, so it's okay. Uh, and there are those who, again, uh, this is just the way things are in Washington. And it's the way they always have been and the way they always will be. And so, you know. Uh, they they're they are not without again that this kind of goes back to that bubble if if the only people you hang out with are people hey man hey, I just got this tip make a few bucks and that's the norm and if you allow yourself to be disconnected from reality where a a, a clear-minded person be like wow that's like some really shady stuff going on if you if you're not putting yourself in that position to be exposed to truth and common sense and and you know making ethical decisions then i've seen how how quickly one can uh live in a place where the norm is 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 uh one standard that is very different than the standard that most people would hold themselves or others to 
I, you know, you, you want to go ahead? Well, I just want to say it's really interesting because like we have this same almost ethical problem inside of Bitcoin with like the crypto people. And like almost, <laughs> almost the exact same thing. There are people that know it wrong, do it anyways. Yeah. People that aren't thinking about it, do it anyways. And people that like it never comes in. And so it's really interesting that like we have this same problem almost going on inside. You know, for me, it's like, okay, so corruption is such an old song. It goes back to, you know, like the the very beginning of, you know, all of our human systems and governments, right? And so it's like, we're always going to have corruption. And like, yeah, maybe it's at like a crazy level now. But, you know, it used to feel like if, in America, if you stood up and told the truth and, you know, you, you withstood a lot of social pressure for doing so and you were later vindicated that we rightfully looked up to you as a hero. Uh, we lionized you. And now it feels like culturally... We've just totally lost that. And it doesn't even matter if you were right, right? Like, you know, there were a lot of people that spoke up about a lot of stuff that happened during COVID, you know, the Wuhan lab, like we don't know, you know, many things. And they lost their jobs. They were socially ostracized. They got their lives destroyed. You know, where's their apology? Where's their sorry? Where's their, like, where's your cultural, like, respect for your fellow Americans who, like, told the truth at great personal sacrifice so like is it deeper than just i don't know the censorship industrial complex like is it a cultural it is. thing you it, know well, it's it's deeper in the sense that we are now you know i mean i i agree with what you're saying is that you know uh there there's no accountability for those who are are, are uh claiming to speak the truth and and they're not right and those who speak the truth and are ostracized but the deeper thing there is we live in a time now where uh, the the existence of objective truth is being erased. Mm -hmm. And so what what is true then becomes uh, very subjective and dictated by whoever happens to be in power. Do you remember the blue dress from like 2014? It was an internet meme. And basically like people were trying to figure out, was the dress blue and black yes. or was it white and gold, right? Yes. This was a famous meme. And, uh, you know, it's everybody who looked at it saw something different. Half the people, and so I think like almost all pieces of online information are like that. They're like a Rorschach test. But the truth is that dress has a real color in the real world, and you could Google it to figure out, and it was actually blue and black. So the real color of the dress, even if there was an optical illusion that was making it look white right. and gold, right? And so I feel like there are so few people willing to go source that truth, but it's still, objective truth is always going to be out there. It's never going to go away, right? Well, I think this is part of the reason, actually, why you're here at this conference and why we're all so enamored with this thing that is Bitcoin. Because we grew up in the world and we started educating ourselves and looking out and wondering why that was lacking. Like, why do you see so much dishonesty and lack of integrity and corruption and greed and just lack of ethics everywhere? And, and if you don't have a solution to that, you become despondent and you despair and depressed and look at, you know, diseases of despair are rampant today. And there's reasons for that, substance like drugs and social media and all that. But I think underwriting it is like that. There is no objective truth. There's nothing that you can use as a totem to say, this is what I'm strapping myself to, to orient a perspective that's actually going to allow me to lead towards the things that are meaningful in life. And I think Bitcoin, you know, as silly as it sounds or strange as it sounds to people outside, many of us see it as a kind of objective truth, as in it can't lie to itself. It's kind of inviolable in reference to itself. And on the surface, it's like, yeah, so what? But in the context of what we're talking about, it's like, well... In a world of uncertainty. Right. And especially yeah. when we kind of consider that money is basically an extension of yourself. It's like an emblem of your sacrificed time. And it's your expression of what's valuable to you. 
and it you know circulates to everyone, and that's how we 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 trade up and we we uh, kind of go beyond our limitations through trade and surplus and that kind of stuff. But it very much is that thing. So how consequential is it that we found something or something was developed rather that seems to be a profound form of truth? And it's not just anything. It's the thing that we use to express ourselves intersubjectively in the world. And far more so than our speech, because, you know, as, as the saying goes, talk is, ch- talk is cheap. But when you spend money, you're, you're making a sacrifice. And so it's a far more real expression of what, like, you really feel or what you're really oriented by or your values and principles. And so for that reason, you combine truth with that mechanism I think that's why it's becoming so meaningful to people and how, how it's helping, why it's helping them to resolve the discomfort and frustration and angst of interfacing with a world that's seemingly bereft of those things now. And I don't know if you know. increasingly exploitative. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so I don't know if you noticed in your interactions here, but do you not sense that there is that kind of uh, exuberance when you have found something that emboldens you to pursue the path of righteousness. Again, a bit dramatic, but that's what we're talking about, right? The values and principles that are rightly most elevated. And throughout history, they've been pretty well identified. And we find ourselves in a period where they're, you know, increasingly hard to find. And we found this thing that's allowing people to express some more in their life. And it's emboldening them. And it just so happens that the more people that do the same the more those people are capable of doing that because it's a money. So the purchasing power increases and we, we kind of know the story there. But have you picked up on that? I know you're fairly, uh, yeah, you know, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've picked up on that here, um, here at the, at the conference, but also just, you know, I, I picked up on that, uh, you know, over the years from just people who I know, close personal friends, family members of mine who have become educated and gotten, uh, and, and honestly, like shared that kind of exuberance. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what I found is that on its face, you know, uh, the, the immediate reaction might be like, what, cool story, what's going bro. on here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't get, I don't, I don't get what you're so freaking excited about. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you, when you look at it within the broader context of what's happening in the country, what's happening in the world, and you connect this with um, freedom, and you connect it with opportunity, and you connect it with transparency mm-hmm. and certainty, and um, uh, you know, individual empowerment. Mm-hmm. Then, then, then I think it starts to kind of like, oh, okay, so yeah. this is this is obviously something bigger than just like a fad or something that's passing through. Uh, it really um, opens the door to all of those things that that I think whether whether you know people realize it or not. I mean, those are those are things that um, uh, you know we want to be hopeful, right. we want to be empowered. Right. What's we the wanna, aspirational point we were exactly, talking about last night? I mean, exactly. you can, people are fearful now, and rightly so, because everything is so hairy. Yeah. But just telling people how fucked up everything is is not a very no. You know, it doesn't inspire people. Exactly. But if you can get something to you know, give people a, a vision for themselves to aspire to. And I think, you know, I, I know this sounds somewhat odd to like a non-Bitcoin audience, but as all of us are example of and ton of people we know and meet, that process of having that kind of element of truth and emboldening you and, and allowing you to courageously embody these values and principles, that is in- incredibly invigorating. And that's a vision to aspire to. And then all the other important things in life that 
come after that can be pursued with more vigor and more hope and more energy and all that kind of stuff. But I do think we need, I and mean, maybe this is a lead into this question, but a lot of people in this space also are kind of done with the political process. Not everyone, I don't want to speak for everybody, but it's kind of like, look where we're at. You know, and the American experiment is probably the best one ever. It was founded on the best principles, enlightenment thinking, all that kind of stuff. But look where we are. And so should we be looking to the political apparatus for solutions or should we say, look, man, I don't know why. I'm sure there's many reasons, but it's kind of done. No one's coming to save you. You got to save yourself. Now, I happen to think the best approach is to fight on all fronts, you know, but what do you, you know, kind of say to that way of looking at the circumstance? Don't give up. <laughs> <laughs> don't give up. Things, things are bad. Uh, things are very broken. Things are very corrupt. Uh, but um, you may disagree, and, and maybe it's uh, – I, I think it's kind of selfish just to say, you know what, it's broken. I'm going to take my goodies and walk away because there is something much bigger that we are um, – that we are striving for in this country. And we look back at those founding documents. We look at the vision that, that was laid out for the potential of what was possible in this country that was founded on these, this foundation of freedom. And uh, that very foundation is being threatened and eroded right now. Um, and so, you know, we can both have clear eyes and be uh, have a very realistic view of the great challenges that we face and also take that all fronts approach to being able to uh, strive towards providing that peace and freedom and opportunity and prosperity uh, for us as a country now and you know literally for generations to come. Mm -hmm. Eric, I see you wiggling yeah, over yeah. there. <laughs> um, so with all due respect, like I, I'm an anarchist. I'm completely anti-status through and through. And again, it's not because I absolutely share those values in the deepest, deepest ways. But I, <clears throat> I fundamentally believe like we exist inside of legalized lawlessness at this point in time. The state of emergency that began with 9-11 has been continued through today. And like if, if you push the wrong buttons, you can be labeled an enemy combatant. You can vanish. That's true. Like, this is something that can actually happen, and it's truly terrifying. And again, I absolutely don't want to give up. Totally should fight on all fronts, but I don't think this is giving up. Like, th this, this, this... What what this are you referring to? The election game and trying to play politics of we've seen it. Because, like, to me, this isn't about trying to get the right people elected. Like, this is a fixed game, you know? And I think... I you honestly mean, think if we had 90% of people in the United States who wanted to vote for you, there would be a methodology to make sure that that didn't happen. And I have to tell you, because of the amount of endemic corruption, when people say, we just got to vote, we got to change, I say, look, I I'm sorry, I've seen so much more political development with not, not taking my cookies away, but saying, there's this thing, Bitcoin, that it's a fundamental, like, th this is a form of law that's truly law because nobody gets to make unilateral decisions about if I don't get my money, you know? And, and it's like incredible that people like Edward Snowden use that to be able to get himself out of country into safety. And if he didn't have Bitcoin, he would have the same thing happen to him that happened to Riley Winner, to Julian Assange, to all of these people that are hugely heroic that I think are being locked up under false pretenses. And to me, like, this is just straight up treason. So as much as I absolutely have such respect for what you're doing i just think it's a fool's errand at this point in time because the game's fixed and so i'm really curious about 
how do you go into that with feeling like it's stacked against you? Why are you wasting your life, Tulsi? No, no. I, and again, absolute respect because I think it's a great struggle. But at the end of the day, it just looks like a fixed game to me. Uh, there, there's much of it that is. Uh, but when we look at uh, some of the great challenges and the great struggles that our country has gone through and the great changes that have been made in the past – uh, those changes have been made uh, because uh, we, the people, have have taken a stand uh, to bring about that change. Um, it's never uh, it's never everything we want. It's never as fast as we want. But uh, when we look at when we look at the emphasis that our founders placed on us as a self governed people. Um, that's where we find the answer. And uh, as, as a vote, you know, you look at on average, there's like what, 40, 40 to 50 percent of people actually even turn out to vote or, or, or registered and then actually turn out to vote. So there, there, look, there, there are so few people who are actually involved in this process, and it is largely what has led to what we're dealing with today where we have a lot of people in positions of power who are abusing they power, their power. They don't care about the Constitution. Uh, they don't care about individual civil civil liberties or rights. And it's becoming more and more blatant. They used to actually hide, try to hide the corruption a little bit at least or pretend uh, like they weren't, they weren't trying to uh, tilt the scales in elections or whatever the case may be. Uh, it has become more and more blatant. And, and the positive side of that is I think more and more people are waking up to that fact and becoming more and more distrustful of the process and these institutions. And that's where I believe as, as more people are recognizing the truth and reality, it creates that opportunity for more people to be driven. We talked about this last night. Mm -hmm. When you're seeing how this is affecting you and your family and your, your bank account and your um, safety and your livelihood, it, it uh, is motivating more people to say, well, what, what do I need to do to be a part of the solution? Yeah, I think um, one thing I would like to talk about is like the, the tools that individuals can use to empower themselves. Yeah. And, and so basically like... That's something, I mean, I'm just right. going to interject here because I, I hope you're going to talk about the question that I was going to ask as a follow-up to yours is, you know, as, as people understand kind of these, these broader principles and, and themes that are surrounding um, uh, Bitcoin, there's examples of it, and there's, there's some great testimonials I've seen just through this conference of how people have used Bitcoin to be able to get out of oppressive societies and just all, all of these things. I think for people at home who aren't exposed to this, how do you turn those aspirations into like, okay, at a practical level, I know I go to work, I get paid every two weeks, I get a W-2 at the end of the year, and I pay my taxes, and I try to support my family. Right. Yeah, I, I think just in general, you know, we tell people to, you know, dollar cost average into Bitcoin, like, you know, take a small position, right. like, don't go all in. I mean, Bitcoin is volatile, you know, it's still in its adopption curve, etc. And so, you know, you should walk, walk, crawl, run, basically, or crawl, walk, run. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you, you, you're one of those kids. I am. Yeah, awesome. yeah. <laughs> the, um, the thing that to me is like, uh, when you said Snowden, it brought up a quote for me, which is Snowden has this quote that like, in today's society, we are forced to stand naked before power in a very real way, right? Because of the surveillance state. 
And, you know, I know that sitting here with you, you have a device in your pocket and I have a device in my pocket and my little GPS pings. And, you know, somebody at some agency looks at it and says, oh, this guy was with Tulsi. I wonder who this guy is. And then somebody pulls my file and looks through it. And same with you and same with you. Are you regretting inviting me here today? Uh, no, I mean, it's just no. like, you know, that's that's <laughs> that is the world that we live in today. And it's like, you know, if you go if you rewind the clock 100 years ago, uh, you know, the state didn't always win like against its people. Yeah. Right. The people could win a lot of the time. And now we have these Orwellian style technologies where like you're looking at like 100 percent win rate from the state. Right. So if the state is as corrupt and evil and, you know, dysfunctional, as we've like alluded to during this podcast, and it has a near 100 percent win rate, it does start to get pretty nihilistic. And I think for me, it's like it's about encryption and, you know, enabling encryption powered individuals. So all encryption technologies, you know, Bitcoin being one of them. Uh, communications apps, you know, uncensorable communications, free speech first platforms. These are the things I'm most interested in because I think it's kind of terrifying that there's like every text I ever sent is it a, you know, uh, yeah, exactly, in an essay database. And like, you know. I think part of the answer to your question, and this is why actually the work you do is really important because you need, you need to have an understanding of the principles, the why on all this. And it's not just like, here's the tool because the tool requires the motivation. And uh, I think, like, a lot of people, you say, how, how would you frame it? And you say dollar cost average and stuff. And, of course, I agree with that. But it's also changing the thinking. You know, tyranny feeds off the responsibilities that you relinquish or that you don't take mm -hmm. for yourself. And so we can sit around here and be like, oh, my God, the, everything's so fucked. But the truth is, is how much of that is because we've all delegated or relegated responsibilities outside of ourselves when perhaps we shouldn't have. Right. Now, in some cases, the technologies weren't there to do anything about it. And that, I think that's my broader pragmatic sort of approach to this is if you don't take responsibility for yourself, somebody else will. Yes. And at a certain point, they're going to do something that's counter to your best mm. interest. Yes. So if you have the capacity to take responsibility, do it. And so a simple one is like health. Don't show up when you're 65 and 300 pounds at the hospital and be like, fix me. What's wrong? That's your fault. You should have done something before that. But now we're in a case where... Things like Bitcoin have come up and Nostra more recently, and we can touch into that if you'd like, where protocols for, for allowing an individual to take responsibility over the most important elements of their life, i.e. their purchasing power, mm -hmm. their money, their savings, and how they communicate and express themselves, so communicate with one another and how they express themselves to the world in, in a free protocol like free speech protocol like Nostra, that's the invitation. Yeah. You say... You know, it's not about Lambos. It's not about retiring in the south of France. It's not about any of that. It's about if you don't take responsibility, you will be tyrannized. These are the tools that allow you to take greater responsibility. And that is the only real way you will ever fight back against tyranny because that's how you keep it at bay. And it's you have to continuously do it. You have to remain vigilant in that process and not become apathetic or, or overconfident over the course of time because things seem good. That's why we get these cycles of time where things seem good and then things seem bad. And notwithstanding, there'll always be an element of that. But if the tools exist for you to take more responsibility for your own everything, they should be taken. And in my opinion, that's the, the strongest thing anyone can do to reject tyranny and invite more freedom and sovereignty into their lives. Well said. Yeah. I mean, don't you think though that unfortunately, <laughs> there, 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 sorry, there, there. I mean, there. I just like there's, there's so many things that come into play there with you know this um, increasing sense of victimhood or victimization mm -hmm. in our, in our society. Um, you know, like you gave the example of somebody who's obese and has had a heart attack and goes and says, "Fix me." Mm -hmm. It's like, well, okay, 
here's the nutritional uh, makeup of what you should be eating. Mm-hmm. Here's how many minutes need to go out and exercise every day. And uh, a lot of people are just like, yeah, no, I don't want to do it. Give me the pill. Right. Give me the pill. And then you decry the big pharmaceutical companies that run rampant everywhere. It's like, well, it's because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like on on that same note, like just give me the pill. I feel like so much of what we're doing in the financial world is the same thing. And it terrifies Mm -hmm. me because, you know, I go to people and I go, hey, you know, like we just made six trillion dollars that we just flooded into that system. And like that, that's your money that like Mm -hmm. you will have to repay. No democratic process about it at all unilaterally done um and then then they gaslight us about it it's oh it's transitory don't don't worry like egg eggs stay affordable flash forward you know like we see the highest levels of debt that americans ever had we see the lowest levels of savings and we're seeing this tidal wave that the federal government that the fed has created specifically by jacking rates faster than they've ever done in modern history and it's terrifying because i tell everybody that i know and see like there's a tidal wave coming. It is going to destroy all of your savings. It's going to wreak havoc on the American economy and vote, vote harder. Oh, well, there's no accountability. So I'm right. at the place that my outrage is so deep when I say bail from the system, use Bitcoin, because this is the only lifeboat that's here to save us because this doesn't work and you're alone. And when you say this is painful and help me, they're going to tell you it's your fault. And I'm just really fascinated to hear about what's your opinion about how how do we get the, uh, the Federal Reserve specifically and the financial system at large under control? Because there's not even moral hazard anymore. It's do whatever you want. You will get bailed out. Yeah. So I introduced, I, I introduced the, the Ron Paul legislation when I was in Congress to audit the Fed. And uh, nice. as you can imagine, uh, not a whole lot of co-sponsors. <laughs> uh, but this does come full circle back to the more people are educated with with how corrupt the system is and how there is no accountability, the more they need to uh, – because whether we like it or not, this is the system that we live in in this country. You choose to live in this country, this is the system right. of governance that we have. And so the more educated you become – Everybody should be calling their member of Congress. I'm sure Tom Massey's got the legislation to introduce this go around. Every everyone should be calling their member of Congress and saying, "Why have you not uh, co-sponsored this legislation? Why are you not adding your name to a uh, uh, God? What do they call it? They have like a discharge petition where you can bring a bill directly to the floor and bypass all the committees. Right. There should be bipartisan support for this because we're seeing these systems crumble around us, and there is no accountability and no control over this guy who's making these decisions. This is this is how we work within the system that we have, as frustrating as it is, to try to start to bring about, uh, to you know, to to pull the curtain back and to start to bring about some of the change and some of the accountability. Hmm. I think that's actually to your point earlier. Like you asked Eric, like uh, withdraw or escape from what? Like kind of the the cliche. I'm going to opt out. I'm just going to go do my thing. My money's fine and. You know that kind of thing. Be kind of unbecoming a civic, your uh, relinquishing your civic I, duty. I don't or think. Something. I mean, if somebody chooses to uh, withdraw from the financial system, I mean, I, I'm all about individual oh, sure. choice and li- like, hey, ma- yeah. make the best decision for yourself. And uh, you know, there, I, I think everyone should be supportive. of Oh, that. absolutely. Uh, what I'm all I was going to say is, I think there's a harmony here where it's not that I don't see it as opting out and finding, you know, the beach in Thailand and living in a hut and that kind of thing. I think, and this is where I think your role as a communicator broadly and meeting all these people could, you know, is very valuable and could be even more so where you're talking about all these principles which which we've covered already. And I see using these 
broadly speaking, freedom protocols that I, I just referred to as a means of scaling back your life to have it more in your control so that you can go back out and engage the world more effectively, more confidently, with less on the line in everything you do. So if, if, if it's all dependent on that bill getting co-sponsored, if you have all your eggs in that basket, you're going to hate it. You're going to feel failure and failure and failure again. And it's just, I don't think it's the proper way to maintain the motivation required to be vigilant and ultimately succeed, let's say. But if you've done what you can do in the areas that you can do it, sure. and then I feel like you might be reinvigorated to say, okay, I've done what I can do. I've taken my responsibility, but now it's time to go back out and say, I fixed me, let's, let's get together and fix this mm. thing. And I think people that were doing it, that would do it on that basis, it would just be way more effective because you wouldn't be as precarious, your own situation. You wouldn't be so concerned about the backlash of doing it. You'd have more confidence, more courage, all that kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't see it as an opt out as much as a, opt in to taking responsibility where you can and where you can get your own freedom and then in the areas where it's a collective freedom let's say that's just, you know gov politics broadly speaking engage based on principles and find the others and do that kind of stuff and aspire to the highest thing you can aspire to in that realm yeah and, and maybe and we'll, we'll find some good outcomes if we do it that way sure. you know and that's that's where i think some of the um uh like you know, in, in the military, we talk about, you know, okay, you've got your 50 meter target and then your 7,500, 300 meter target. Like the 50 meter target to achieve what you're talking right. about is to recognize how in some states like mine in Hawaii, there are obstacles to even allowing people to be able to make that choice right. where, well, no, you're not allowed to trade or you're not allowed to purchase. You're not allowed to hold mm -hmm. any, any of, uh, whether it's Bitcoin or, you know, uh, you, you don't even have access to the platforms that would allow you to mm -hmm. be able to do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, and so, you know, it, it's all of these things are done in the name of, well, we're going to protect you from being harmed by right. these platforms or this unprotected or unregulated, uh, uh, space. Um, there's just so many parallels with that excuse being used for that. And obviously we've heard that over and over with the COVID related stuff. And we hear it over and over with the misinformation, disinformation stuff, the censorship stuff, like all of these things. Well, yeah, we are going to protect you from making bad decisions that could potentially harm yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's not, um, coincidence that those, those actions and those decisions are further empowering, whether it's big pharma or big government sure. or, or, or whatever. And so that's yeah. where, you know, changes, changes at the immediate level. Uh, and, and there are, there are people in Hawaii who are work that, you know, working, okay, we're going to go to the state legislature. We're going to try to help educate people. We're going to try to build the support to be able to make those changes to, so people can be empowered, uh, and have the freedom to, um, uh, ensure their own freedom. I mean, so you know, the option basically, well, yeah. no start coming up earlier is really interesting. Cause what is that? So this is a decentralized protocol that is... What is it called? It's called NoStar. Okay. And so essentially it's a decentralized protocol. Noster. Noster. It's called Noster. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard yeah. to pronounce. That's it's me. I, I pronounce everything. So <laughs> anyways, essentially it's a decentralized protocol using similar cryptographic protocols similar to Bitcoin. And so essentially the node mechanism means that like you literally can't shut this thing down. Even if the State Department was like, terrorism, we got to shut it down. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that Bitcoin... Noster and other <laughs> other protocols like this. Uh, this is about us saying 
that the government is tyrannical at this point in time. I'm not, I'm not going to debate it. It clearly is tyrannical. They clearly will silence us. They clearly will shut down our bank accounts. And they clearly will eventually, as we're seeing it go, I think put us into gulags or something like that. And it is terrifying. And that's why I choose to do all these things together. And I'm just really curious, like, you're based and you're saying awesome stuff that I love. Um, and I just have to be curious at, like, what point do you worry for yourself about They Go, like, all right, time to, like, turn off the switch and shut down all of her social media and make sure she can't get her message out. And I'm just really curious, if, do you think about this, about essentially the state turning on you because your message is maybe getting too loud or too outside of the Overton window for them? Of course. Them? Of course. I mean. It's reality. Yeah, and we want to give you Bitcoin and get you on Hoster so that when that happens, you go, oh, hey, I, got, I still got my Bitcoin. I can still, hey, they're trying to shut down Twitter, but no big deal. I got Hoster. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, yes, this, uh, I, I'm not, I, I don't wear rose colored glasses about what we're facing. And I, I uh, whether or not there's proof, like, I have experienced some of these things already. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the things that I haven't experienced, I just assume, mm-hmm. I just make the assumption. That this is the world that we're living in. Right. And uh, so for, from, you know, what I'm dedicating my life and my time and energy toward, uh, yeah, looking for those alternatives. Like, okay, if you're going to switch off, like using YouTube as an example. Okay, if you're going to switch off YouTube, I'm simultaneously building up on Rumble. And I'm looking for other platforms and other technologies that other people are coming up with so that, uh, that I'm not dependent solely on one specific thing to be able to get this message about freedom out to, to people so that, that we can create this critical mass um, that has the power and the energy to be able to bring about uh, change. To, to me personally, it's a big tell when a politician is not pro-Bitcoin because in the same way that the internet is a tool to spread American values, Bitcoin is a tool to spread American values. And I mean, what is more uh, American than property rights and speech? There's nothing more American than that. And if you're in a you know dystopian government in the third world or you know the, the ascending world, as we call it now, um, I mean, you're not going to be able to store your property because somebody's going to come along and, and steal it from you. Mm-hmm. But with encryption, you can. Exactly. And that's that's what Bitcoin enables. And we have these little devices. They're called hardware wallets. Anybody – here, I'll show you one. Uh, this is a little device called a tap signer. This is $20 to produce. It's a little cryptographic key in here. And unless you have this, you cannot access the Bitcoin on my phone. So you have to have those. Okay. Yeah. Well, although he could put as much money as he wants on there, literally billions of dollars. Right. Right. I think an important distinction to make, because of course everyone's like, yes, t- censorship on Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and everything. So people go to Rumble or Parler or True Social, all this kind of stuff. I think the you know the way we think about it and people in the space space think about it, it's not don't be evil. It's can't be evil. Yeah. Because whoever is propagating don't be evil. No offense to Rumble, you know they seem yeah, great yeah. right now. Yeah, but they yeah. can be no, corrupted. Totally got you. Whereas a protocol, we look at what happened with um, Project Veritas. Right, mm, absolutely. Right, right. and so, one one little flip of a switch, and yep. and for the, the things thing that are gone. as important as money and speech, I don't think we can take that chance anymore. So I think a lot of people who are communicating these ideals we've been discussing ought to familiarize themselves with these freedom protocols, let's say. Because NOSTR stands for Notes and Other Stuff Transmitted by Relays. And it's a way of basically cryptographically signing. (laughs) Hang with us. It's very nerdy, but yeah, yeah. Say that one more time. Notes and other stuff transmitted stuff. by relays. It, if Everyone you, likes love weird it. sort I'll of names. I'll show it to you. It looks okay. just like Twitter. It sounds weird and nerdy, I won't but get, it's I won't normal. Get down, but it's the normal. punchline is, is <laughs> the way this works, it can't be corrupted. 
So you you sign your note, you sign your tweet with something that's on, that you, only you have access to, right. and it's not like it's going through a central server. So they can be like, oh, no, that was risky. That was risque. She can't say that. It just goes. There's an, all these different relays. Well, someone will transmit it, and even if they don't, at some point you can pay them to transmit it and all this kind of stuff. And now, Bitcoin has been built into this new protocol. So you have a financial incentive that's built right into speech, basically. And so everyone's very excited about that. And it really only came on the scene in December. That's when it kind of became mm-hmm. more popular. And there's, I mean, we don't have enough time to dig into all the potential, but I think you, your mind would probably appreciate what happens when, one, people can say whatever they want and they can't be silenced, and two, their identity on a particular platform is portable without any loss of anything. So let's say, you know, you're on Twitter and you, you have a better experience on whatever the competitor is, then you just go there. It's not like you lose the network effect or the followers you've built up on Twitter. Your, your identity is portable without loss. And so what does that mean for the types of solutions and the competition dynamics that will mm-hmm. happen? And I tend to think it means we're going to get a lot of really good pro-freedom technological solutions really fast by the way you know, also so super exciting this time. is going to be a necessity because of ai so like yeah, normal people are going to have exactly. to get comfortable with cryptographic key pairs yes. because it'll be the only way we tell who's human and who's not right essentially mm-hmm. right yeah i have a question you know coming up on time but uh what do you think you know talking about kind of your own considerations of the 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 dangers you're taking on doing what you do rfk jr was at this conference he spoke he was at the thing last night um, he's saying a lot of things that make sense, you know, kind of very much in line with a lot of things that you've said over the years. He seems to be polling fairly well. His family history of contravening the status quo or the state powers, or however you want to characterize it, not super encouraging, to say the least. Uh, and I know he's aware of that, obviously. Yeah. But what do you make of uh, his candidacy, whether the party will permit him to progress at all? Like, just give me your... I think it's great that he's running and uh, I appreciate, um, you know, the, you know, the the things that he's choosing to focus on and and talk about and the voice that he's bringing to a lot of people who have felt voiceless and unrepresented for a long time, regardless of party. Um, You know, I have, you know, and and I talked to them a little bit about this yesterday. Like, yeah, I, I, in 2020, I went through the DNC working with the media and working with big tech to try to shut me down and silence me and go to like a total blackout where literally like the people that I was able to reach as a candidate running for president and a sitting member of Congress were the people physically in the same room as me. And so you're trying to live stream these things. And, you know, there was a media blackout for a period of time uh, where they went through a phase of like, well, we'll just try to smear her and call her all these names Mm -hmm. and discredit her. And more and more people were like, hey, why are you picking on her? Let me pay more attention to what she's saying. Because right. yeah. you obviously Stry's don't want her to have a voice. Mm-hmm. People, you know, Joe Rogan brought a lot of folks, uh, informed a lot of people about my candidacy. And so the media decided, well, shit, this isn't working. So we'll just, like, there were articles written in the Washington Post, articles done on cable TV where they were talking about the candidates that were in the race, people who showed up at specific events. I went to this event in Houston that was called She the People about women running for president and uh the whole that i wasn't mentioned as being yeah. present and and speaking in the article this is a washington post article and so my press person called me like hey you're not even saying that she was there like at least say she was there right and he said i have no obligation to do that at all <laughs> except for like being a journalist right yeah right. you know exactly. it's your whole job bro uh <laughs> but um I know I, I kind of I kind of got off track there, but but I I am cognizant, as is 
Bobby Kennedy uh, about the realities. He's he's very cognizant of the realities of the powers that he is choosing uh, to up to go up against. Yeah, and I hope for any of you either heard him or had a chance to talk to him. I hope you got the sense of um, sincerity and peace in his own presence and heart and his resolve to to take this on mm-hmm. knowing full well what we're talking about knowing full well uh history and um yet choosing to do so anyway which is amazing you it know is. when you when you see those displays of combination of principles virtue and courage like people yes. respond to it and i think that's why people mm-hmm. responded to you and him and anyone else who's doing that in the culture today and that's kind of what's great about this Streisand effect. Like now it's it's almost a heuristic. Oh, if the mainstream media is like canceling someone. Oh, you're like, yeah, them. what's you up with that? They're that probably, sound, yeah, they're probably, they're probably cool. Sweet. Yeah, exactly. Right. 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 And so that's wonderful because yeah. hopefully that means things are changing. Yeah. I know this might be a difficult one for you to answer, but do you think based on what we've been saying about the apparatus and all these different, you know, way it work, ways it works, could he actually get through or would that just be something that they just he won't can. allow? He can get through, and the reason I, I I can say that quickly is is you look at the what happened in 2016. Donald Trump yep. ran for president, and he ran against all of the machines. The Republican National Party was anti-Trump. Fox News, mainstream media were anti-Trump. Right. Everybody was he he was a joke. He was a punchline. People were trying to destroy him and shut him up. The, the the Durham report is exposing how the national security state was weaponized by Hillary Clinton to go after him and try to undermine his candidacy and spread yep. this lie. All of this stuff was what he was what he was running against. He won. Yeah. Not only the nomination, but he won the presidency. There's there's a lot to talk about what happened next. Right. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot some decisions and, and personnel selections that <laughs> that um that, that should have been done differently. But the point is it can be done. They didn't want it, and he got, I, it he can got be done. I honestly think 2016 was our most democratically held election. And you, that's, that's an unpopular where, opinion, but it's true. Mean? What do you mean? What I mean is the will of the people, you know, was made whole in, in yeah. Donald Trump. Like, people wanted Trump. None, of, Like Tulsi said, none of the establishment wanted Trump, and yet yeah. he got in there And anyway. the more opposition they threw his way, right. I mean, and this is why there, there's a lot of Democrats who have never taken the time, even objectively, to try to figure out, like, why does this guy still have such a huge following? Yeah. Why is it that when these things happen that would tank anybody else, right. his support grows? And, and you know, really, when you look at it, uh, you know, what does he say? He's like, they're not, what does he say? They're com- not coming after, they're coming after you. I'm just in the way. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and the people, like the limousine liberals, like, they basically, you know. They just think, oh, oh, those people are all terrible, racist, white supremacists. And it's exactly. like, oh, you know, I think those are actually people that work for a living. Well, <laughs> and I don't yeah. think and, they're all terrible, and how would you, evil, like, white supremacists. Is that going to endear me to support you when you call me no, a white zero, supremacist, yeah. which I've been called, and a racist, right. and a sexist, you're a, and all yeah, of you're the things? White heard, you're all of them. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. All of them. The, yeah. the fact that you guys even invited invite you here today. is, like, pretty cool. But 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 that, and this is a great note to close on. Totally. Because... We should not be um, we should not be uh, those who live in a fantasy world. Uh, bad things come from those who live in a fantasy world and make decisions based on things that are not real. Yeah. We should be clear-eyed. We should be honest. We must speak the truth. And 
recognize uh, and harness that power that we have in our hands that sh- that has been shown to be possible. Not easy, not quick, uh, but in the system that we have in this country, this is the only way that we can make change. And it can happen at every level, and it needs to happen uh, at every level and in just about every sector of, of our country Amen. and our society. Can I ask also. one final question? You are without party right now yes. politically. Can I get you to join the Orange Party? That's the Bitcoin party. We just we just basically buy a lot of Bitcoin. There's not a lot of tenants really at the moment. You know, we're working on the details. Yeah, but, you know, it's like we said. It's the kind sometimes of weed, stakes, and then the and platform. Yeah, we buy Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, that's basically the whole thing. Are, is, are you, is this like a political party? You know, you, we could start it right now. <laughs> you say right, 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 right now. Start. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, before we let you go, I mean, is politics something that's completely off your horizon because oh, you've been there not. done I wouldn't that. be here I wouldn't be here you, uh, you're still was. interested in no, she's gonna be the president probably. Yeah, right <laughs> you're sitting with the future no, president I, that's true I, I bet you know to me it's never it's it has never ever been about uh chasing a specific title or a job or or a quote-unquote political career um I come from Hawaii it'd be really cool to just go surfing every day and hang out totally. hang out in Hawaii yeah uh my my motivation and my um, what drives me is to do all that I can to best be of service to 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 the American people in this country. And the best way to do that is to help work towards ensuring that we, the people, can live free, that we can live in a peaceful society, that we, therefore, living in a peaceful, free society, have the opportunity to be prosperous as a people. And so that's what I'm dedicating my energy and my focus and my time on. And, you know, what, wherever and whatever, um, uh, position or place or, or, or whatever puts me in the best position to be able to do that. That's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to keep trying to do. That's awesome. Totally. Well, look, um, I wanted to speak to you last night just for the same reason I wanted to speak to you today because we've all been fans for a while and, you know, maybe we wouldn't choose the same path because it's so difficult. But one thing that's been evident from watching you for many years is like your heart, basically. And that comes through in what you just said and that for some reason, we don't have time to dig dig into it today, but you care deeply about, you know, these people that you're trying to help. And that's obvious and it seems sincere. And so I just want to thank you for coming to the conference, learning thank a bit you. about this whole world, coming to do this today with some random guys that you just met last night, <laughs> and uh, wish you all the best in, in future endeavors. I appreciate that. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.